The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and back with me here is my co-host Drew Silva. Now at the top here, I think we have to address the elephant in the room. Unfortunately, the 2022 MLB season is not going to start on time due to the ongoing lockout. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred made it official on Tuesday after the players and the owners failed to come to an agreement before MLB's self-imposed deadline, which was actually pushed back by a day, as it appeared the two sides were making some progress, but then all of a sudden not. The ultimate tease. I know I was I was so excited late Monday night when it did appear like maybe they were bridging some gaps there. But yeah, Tuesday was just all doom and gloom pretty much from the start of of their you know getting back together for, for negotiations. So I don't really know where things go from here. Of course, the two, the first two series of the season were canceled as Rob Manfred announced. So that takes us into the early part of April. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure the next time they're going to, you know, sit down and try to work this out. It doesn't seem like there's anything planned right now, which probably is going to result in more games being canceled. I, I guess. Yeah. Um, Cause I think they are going to need about four weeks of, of spring training probably. Right. Yeah, I mean this this is a positional preview podcast and we want to keep these episodes evergreen, you know, to extend their shelf life through prime fantasy draft season, but the shelf life required just got extended indefinitely yeah. and an awful day for the sport on Tuesday. Like you said there was a lot of apparent optimism for a deal late Monday night going into early Tuesday morning like 16 straight hours of talks between MLB and the MLBPA. They were there to they were there at the uh, complex in Jupiter, Florida, till about 4 a.m. But the players came out and said that that optimism was largely a PR stunt by the owners to put the onus yeah. for the regular season delay back on the players who ultimately rejected the owner's best and final CBA proposal. It was a bad proposal that apparently had a bunch of last-minute additions the owners tried to slide in. So uh, good on the players for not caving. Um, for now, though, yeah, it's it's unclear when negotiations will resume and when the owners might actually get serious about making a deal. Because I, I, throughout this process, I, I mean, what has come out, it doesn't sound like they were they, they don't care about missing April. Yeah, so at least one week of games already canceled the first two regular season series. That number is going to grow by the time we chat 
next. I'm kind of done making predictions for when the season might start. Another thing that the MLBPA leadership in their own press conference Tuesday rejected the owner's stance that the players would not be paid for canceled games and that, saw that yeah. those games can't or won't be rescheduled. So that's like another disagreement that has to be solved. And I feel like the players at this point might rip up, you know, their final proposal and be like, we're going to try for a bigger, I mean, if they would have agreed to what was on the table at the end there, it would have been very pro owner. And so maybe the players are like, all right, we're going to drag this into May until the networks start calling you for refunds on their TV deals. And, and that's how you're going to actually create some leverage for yourself as the players union. So I'm worried about it. Again, I'm not going to make a prediction, but I, I think it's going to be a long wait until something finally gets done. Hopefully not. Hopefully the, the owners are, are ready to talk again soon. But yeah, let's let's discuss third base, I guess. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> and the funny thing about third base is it's pretty depressing uh, yeah. as well. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know how much of this is going to be therapeutic, but we will we will do our best. I do wonder how much the owners even care about April because, you know, usually like home opener, you know, has a big, big crowd, usually sellouts, but April attendance wise with the weather, there's kids in school, Mm -hmm. um, there's Easter vacation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Typically not the best attendance in the early part of the season. Um, And if you remember early last year, I believe they wanted to push back the start of the season even then. MLB, the owner. So yep. I don't so, know how much they care about April, to be honest. Yeah, and ticket sales is such a small amount of the profit for, yeah. for owners. It's a lot of it is TV money. Yeah. And so they're not going to feel the heat. I guess there were reports that the, these RSNs, these regional sports networks have to you know pay the full amount unless 25 games get affected. So we're mm-hmm. talking about that's toward the end of April. That could be it. That could be the the real deadline, so to speak. Um, well, that could be the time where the the players are like, "All right, let's get serious and have talks," and then they have another few weeks of talks. We'll see. It's it's a bummer. I mean, mm-hmm. we we love baseball. It's you know that's been our lives for much longer than we started writing about baseball. Obviously, so yeah. it's a bummer. But we do have you know fantasy baseball at least to talk about and keep us a little bit distracted. There's still going to be baseball this year at some point. We just don't know how much we're going to get. But we're going to push ahead with these third base rankings uh, here today. Uh, We'll be back next week with more episodes. Uh, Colin and Chris will be handling outfielders next Monday. And we'll be back next Wednesday to discuss starting pitchers. We've already worked our way through catcher, first base, second base, shortstop. So you can go back in our archives to check those out. Before we do that, a quick word For our listeners uh, and those still prepping for fantasy baseball, which is going to be a little while, uh, the 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual NBC Sports Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We'll get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. And again, use that promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season, whenever that is. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so like we've been doing, we're going to each read off our top 12 uh, and then just sort of go from there. So whenever you're ready, Drew. I'll say uh, at the top that, yeah, this position falls off pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned toward the end of our second base episode. And then one note, uh, Wander Franco is eligible at third base on Yahoo. He made (laughs) seven starts there as a rookie. Uh man. Yeah. I guess he could also pick up third base eligibility on, on sites with stricter eligibility requirements. The Rays do may move their players around more than most, but something to consider. I mean, he yeah, looks a lot he totally. looks a lot better at third base than he does at shortstop. Yeah, with without a doubt. And you know, we should say as well, Josh Young, yep. the Rangers prospect. You know, this position at least would have been a little more exciting if if he was going to be healthy and available. Had shoulder surgery, I think he already had it. And it's going to be about six months before he plays in a game again, in some kind of game setting. I don't think that's going to be in the majors this year. Uh, at this point, maybe like Arizona Fall League or Instructional League. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see him until next year, which is a shame because I think he probably would have spent a good chunk of the season up in the majors this year. Definitely a really exciting prospect uh, and a name to watch as we go into 2023. But we won't be talking about him today. So that is a shame. Yeah, Young's one of the more MLB-ready top prospects, and he yep. would have been in my top 20 Yeah, same. Um, if he didn't suffer that shoulder injury in, in a weightlifting incident. Yep. All right, my top 12 at third base. Number one is Jose Ramirez, two, Rafael Devers, three, Manny Machado, four, Austin Riley, five, Nolan Arenado, six, Alex Bregman, seven, Anthony Rendon, eight, Adalberto Mondesi, nine, Chris Bryant, 10, Yon Mancata, 11, Luis Urias, and 12, DJ LeMahieu. All right. Uh, so we agree one through four. Uh, five, I have Bregman. Six, Arenado. Seven, Mondesi. Eight, Rendon. Nine, Key Brian Hayes. Hoping Ooh. for a bounce back there. 10, LeMahieu. 11, Chris Bryant. And 12, Yon Mancata. So a lot of the same names. Uh, I think Urias and Hayes were the only ones that we kind of had different within that that top 12. So let's start at the top of the board. Really no debate. Jose Ramirez, 
definitely a first round pick, you know, outside of uh, Trey Turner and Tatis and Juan Soto. He's probably next on the board in, in, in most mixed leagues. Uh, had a really good year last year, 36 homers, 103 RBIs, 27 stolen bases, 111 runs scored. Just a monster in the counting stat categories. I don't think he's a 300 hitter anymore mm-hmm. at this point in his career. His strikeout rate has risen a little bit in recent years, but so is his fly ball rate, which usually does a little bit of damage to, to batting average. But hit the ball harder than ever last year. Average exit velocity, barrel rate, hard hit percentage. So that definitely backs up the power. And he's shown really no signs of slowing down on the speed front. Uh, certainly the most well-rounded third base option. So I don't think it's any surprise that he's the top third baseman off the board. Early first round pick, totally deserved given his track record. Ramirez had that weird first half in 2019, which yeah. dragged down his overall numbers that year. But he's been a fantasy monster for going on six or seven straight seasons. Uh, since the beginning of 2017, an average of 36 home runs, 105 RBIs, 28 stolen bases, 110 runs scored for every 162 games played. That's a lot like his numbers from last year. Um, yeah. The supporting cast around him in Cleveland has wilted, but this could be the year that Ramirez finally gets traded. A $12 million salary in 2022, that's team-friendly to say the least. Then a $13 million club option for 2023 also very team friendly those salary figures only boost his trade appeal in an era where seemingly every owner wants to cry poor especially the owners in cleveland 29 years old should be plenty of life left in his bat and in his legs baseball savant page is littered with red uh, the one knock on Ramirez, like you said, could be batting average, but that has fluctuated between elite yeah. and just decent. And you know, he was in the 88th percentile and expected batting average last year. So he did have some bad luck on that end. Yeah. And he hits the ball hard enough that maybe that batting average will go up. So that that is definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, side note r- with Ramirez, what do you think about the Guardians uh, logo? Because it seems like they're de-emphasizing the one with the the wings. And they're kind of just going with the C. I don't know if that's because they want to like gradually move into the real logo, but I really haven't seen much of that that winged guardian logo anywhere. Yeah, when you first asked that question, I, I had to remember what what the logo looks like. It's not like. great. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, I mean, any new logo is going to kind of look weird, but the C yeah. is classic. And and I mean, I, I have this hat, which apparently this is the logo for the commanders which is not good at all <laughs> why did you why did you buy that because i'm a i'm i'm not a fan i'm an observer of this team that's what i say <laughs> but i had to get it because i now i can actually wear their stuff without being i mean i'm still embarrassed but not because of what they're called yes i i mean i i grew up a, a fan of the former nickname um, and I have an old school '90s hat that I would love to wear, but I don't. I don't think I can anymore. Yeah, so at least I can wear the commander's hat around if I so choose. Yeah, we'll see if I want to. But I had to get it. But, uh, I, but the, I, yeah. the logo's ugly. It is ugly. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, yeah, like like you said, I haven't really seen it around a ton since they first made the announcement. Yeah, I, I went through. This is first for. I know this is we're getting way off track, but <laughs> I I went on the Guardians. Twitter the other day and like I went back and they had a bunch of stuff that was you know showing their logo 
they don't really use the the winged logo at all. It's all been just the C. I think they're just trying to slowly move over to their new identity and they're not quite ready yeah. to do it yet. Some teams maybe smartly kind of crowdsource their new when they're making logo and, and, and uniform changes, they kind of leak stuff and then they pull it back and which is yeah. probably a smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's jump to number two. Yeah. Not a big fan. I like the guardian's name, but I'm, I don't really like the, I wish they were a bit more creative. I don't like logo. the name. Uh, I think they it's had better, better than options. command. It's better than commanders. Could they not uh, have done spiders? That, that would have been my pick. Yeah. That would have been my pick for sure. Or the, what is the, the forest city baseball club? I hadn't heard that. It was a, a team in Cleveland in the early part of the 20th or yeah, early part of the 20th century. Huh, that's cool. And I, I guess Cleveland used to be a, a very wooded city. And some of that has been knocked down with through industrialism. Um, it was a hotbed for the industrial revolution in, in America. Um, so maybe it's not really a forest city anymore, but that was a really cool name and their, their Thanks. jerseys were really cool and classic. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Ra- Raphael Devers. Number two. So yeah. he's the second round pick in, in most leagues and yeah. uh, Devers bounced back really nicely uh, last year. Like a lot of players, he kind of had a disappointing uneven showing in 2020 hit the ball just as hard as ever, if not more so. Um, 38 homers, 113 RBIs, 101 runs scored, hit 279. Um, the most encouraging part about Devers' season was that he brought the strikeout rate down. It was 27% in 2020, down to 21.5% in 2021. Also had a career best walk rate. Devers isn't going to give you much speed at all. I think whatever you get there is bonus, but he could be elite in all four of the other categories. Um, and I like the ballpark and the lineup and all that. So, yeah, I, I mean, maybe some people could quibble and take Machado over Devers. But uh, for me, I, I think he's the clear number two at the position. And I think there's a chance we haven't seen the the peak of Devers yet. If you gave no credence to Devers numbers from 2020, which is something we all should have done for most players. Yeah, yeah. you got him at a really nice value for 2021 because his numbers from 2020. 2019 compared to 2021 are very similar. Yeah. Um, hit a career high 38 home runs last year, 890 OPS, 113 RBIs, 101 runs scored. The batting average at 279 wasn't terrible in, in this era. And then there are indications that it could have or should have been better if you look at his batted ball data. Yeah. 91st percentile and expected batting average uh, to go along with 92nd percentile and hard hit rate. 93rd percentile in both average exit velocity and max exit velocity. Uh, Devers was 94th percentile in both expected slugging percentage and XWOBA. He's a terrific hitter, only 25 years old, doesn't turn 26 until October. He did have some elbow issues in the 2021 postseason, uh, but imaging tests showed no structural damage, and that should be a non-factor going into 2022 there's no speed there. You're right. But a great second round power target with some upside. I think there's a safe floor here and, and a ceiling, a ceiling that he can still reach for. So we each have Manny Machado at number yeah. three. Right? Another, uh, another player with tons of red across his baseball savant page, a hundredth yeah. percentile in max exit velocity last year, 96 percentile in average exit velocity. It's good when those numbers line up. Um, like like you can do it in spurts. It's, it's a consistent thing that you're generating these kind of hard hit rates. Uh, 93rd percentile in hard hit rate, 94th percentile in expected batting average, 90th percentile in expected slugging. That data I just laid out would 
portend better counting stats than what he finished with, but yeah. Machado was still plenty good. 28 homers, 106, 106 RBIs, also got you 12 steals, 92 runs scored. His career year-to-year batting lines are, are sort of all over the place, but we know there's a 290, possibly 300 batting average in his range of outcomes. 35-plus homers is something he's achieved multiple times. Definitely a ton of RBI opportunities as the number three or number four hitter in the Padres lineup. 29 years old, extremely durable. Uh, Machado, again, has a safe floor and, and also the proven upside to be an NL MVP candidate, I think, this year and, and pretty much every year. Yeah, he made it to double-digit steals last year for the first time since 2018. I probably wouldn't bank on that, but you know that he'll give you something there at mm-hmm. least, which is which I think is valuable for getting that from third base. Um, the strikeout rate bounced back from his first season with the Padres, which is a little up and down. Um, and like he said, with the batted ball data that he has, as hard as he hits the ball, it would really surprise me. I mean, we're going to have to temper our projections because we're going to have fewer games. But net wise, I think you're looking at a, a player who should hit 30 homers. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this will be a smaller number of games, but I think the power should have been more last year. Um, yeah. So I think you'll get you'll get that as well. So like you said, I think there's a there's the track record. There's a safe floor. Batting average has been kind of a moving target, but uh, I think you'll feel pretty good about him if you got him as a second round pick. It's weird that his fantasy scoring totals weren't higher last year. They, they could yep. have been a lot higher. The Padres were just a weird team, especially in the second half. Yeah, no doubt about that. Austin Riley, we both had number four. Um, yep. His min and max draft position on NFC right now is pretty funny. The, the earliest he's gone is 13th overall. The latest he's gone is 92nd overall. Weird. That doesn't really mean anything at all, but it, it maybe serves as an, indi- as an indication that there are people who trust what he did last year and think he can only build on it, and there are people who lean a lot more skeptical. But, yeah, a massive breakout for Riley in 2021, a 303 batting average, 898 OPS, 33 home runs, 107 RBIs, 91 runs scored in 160 games, won the Silver Slugger Award at third base, seventh place finish in the NL MVP vote all at age 24. His plate approach, you know, I'm not sure that he's going to be a reliable 300 hitter moving forward, but the, the power is legit and his walk rate has improved every year since he debuted in 2019. So taking some key steps forward, very encouraging steps forward, and is an important component of a a Braves lineup that could be one of the deepest in all of baseball if Freddie Freeman re-signs and Ronald Acuna Jr. recovers from that ACL tear, and he's got a lot more time to recover now. Um, But yeah, with Riley, I'm buying the homers on the RBIs, and everything else would be gravy if he can repeat any of that. Yeah, the XBA last year, um, he hit 303, like you said. XBA was 281, uh, which is still good. Yeah. Um, but no way would I expect him to hit 300 again. I wouldn't necessarily uh, bank on that. The strikeout rate has improved since he first came up to the majors. And he actually showed that in 2020 as well. 23.8 uh, was his strikeout rate in 2020. Last year, it was 25.4. Certainly not terrible. Um so that gives him a chance to at least not hurt you in batting average. And with the batter ball metrics that he has, I think it should continue to be pretty helpful. And the power, there's never been any doubt about that. It's just a matter of him uh, making contact. So 
after this, I think it gets murky. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could have a lot of debate um, between certain players. I put Alex Bregman at number five. You had it, Nolan Arenado at, at number five. Yeah. I think we had him flip-flopped. Right? Yeah, and I had Bregman at six. You had Arenado at, at, at six. So Bregman, over the past two years, it has been pretty rough. He's hit just 262, 18 homers, uh, seven... I don't know if this number I have is right. 785 OPS. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, it is right. It is right. right? Okay. 785 OPS over 133 games, 73 runs scored uh, during that time. Missed time last year. Oh, missed time in 2020 with right hamstring soreness. Last year it was a quad strain. So some continued leg issues going on. Has only stolen one base in 133 games over the past two seasons. I think the saving grace here is that he still has a really strong approach at the plate 44 walks against 53 strikeouts last year 24 walks against 26 strikeouts in 2020 so with Bregman I think that gives him a safe floor from a batting average on base uh, percentage perspective but even when he was at his best the batted ball metrics never really backed up the 30 to former 40 homer ability so I think you got to throw that out again we got to adjust our projections here but to me, I look at him as like a low 20s homer type of player. But if he is in that lineup with with Houston, a really talented lineup, I think you have a chance for really good counting stats and almost certainly a batting average that's going to be useful. So I actually think there's some decent rebound appeal with Bregman, but I would kind of throw out the earlier numbers that we saw in his career. Bregman, beyond those quad and hamstring injuries from the last two years, also had a cleanup surgery on his right wrist this past November. That could have been a lingering thing for him. Yeah, He was cleared to resume swinging a bat in January, so he should be 100% whenever spring training or whatever we're going to call it this year finally gets underway. He's 27, going on 28 at the end of March. I think it's fair to give him a, a reset and expect a, you know some kind of a, a return to form with better sustained health in, in 2022 to the career trajectory across his first four major league seasons, like you mentioned, was was straight upward, mm-hmm. uh, culminating in a 296 average, 1015 OPS, 41 homers, 112 RBIs in 2019. I would agree. I, I don't think he ever gets back to that level of production, but something closer to it seems doable given the age and, and the great situation that he has in Houston. So, yeah, give me your pitch on Arenado for, for five. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a to-be-expected drop-off in certain areas. I, I think one thing people don't talk about enough when it comes to Coors Field is that beyond the thin air, there is greater surface area of fair territory oh, than that, any other Major League Park. That outfield is is huge. Lots of hits drop there. I, I think this might be totally wrong, but I think it has 14,000 more square feet of fair territory than Fenway Park, which has the smallest hmm. fair territory. Th- that could be wrong. It sounds large, but I, I, large. I think I heard that somewhere. Um, that would so, be a lot. Yeah, so not only playing in Colorado do you get more homers, but just more hits in general. So you factor that into the lower batting average in Arenado's first year in St. Louis. Actually, his 2021 batting line is fairly similar to his line from 2020, his last year in Colorado, but we could chalk that up to the small sample size. And he also had a nagging shoulder injury throughout the shortened season. It it did not pop up again last year, so that's a good sign. 
moving forward. Still got to 34 home runs and 105 RBIs and 157 games last year with the Cardinals. He's still a very hard player to strike out. The contact he made wasn't as effective as the contact he made in Colorado, and maybe that's worrisome for 2022 and beyond, but I feel good about Arenado reaching the 30-homer mark again this year at age 31 and snatching up 100-plus RBIs. I guess we have to adjust these projections depending on how many games are actually played, but people get mm-hmm. get the gist. Um, yeah, he's going to be the cleanup man behind you know Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, or you know maybe if Edmond struggles, Dylan Carlson leaps up there into the top three of the lineup. I'm not sure the Cardinals are done adding offense either. They could use a shortstop. There are two shortstop, two premier shortstops still out there in Trevor Story and Carlos Correa. Trevor Story is a great fit. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if if when this lockout ends and Bill DeWitt, who's kind of Rob Manfred's right-hand man, wants to you know, bring the fans back to Bush Stadium, he makes a play for Trevor Story. They, they had a lot of money come off the books. Um, they can spend big on, on another player, and it wouldn't shock me if Story becomes a target. So I, I think Arnold's in a good spot. I mean, Bush Stadium is one of the, the more pitcher-friendly parks in the majors. It, it's kind of playing extremely pitcher-friendly in recent years since they built up the the left field ballpark village as it's called it, it kind of like changed the wind patterns um but he's still a, a big time power threat and the rbis and you know he'll hit for a decent decent average too he's not going to be the 310 320 hitter that he was in colorado but i, I think he can be a 285 kind of guy yeah he doesn't swing and miss very much even still He's aggressive, so you know the batting, the on base percentage, you yes. know, it's not going to be a, a strength for him. So it's something to think about if you're in an OBP league. The batted ball metrics have been trending downward for a while. It's kind of mm-hmm. surprising where he sits in those areas. So I know his uh, uh, baseball yeah. savant page is like, wait, this is not the elite no one are not, but it's been that way for for a, for a, yeah a couple yeah. of couple of years at least. Yeah. Um, but his numbers pretty much settled where I thought maybe they would. Last year, he wasn't going to be a 40 homer guy anymore, 120 RBI type guy, but you could certainly live with 30 homers, 100, 100 RBIs, 80 runs scored. Like that's, that's pretty good. And given the state of the position, you know, you, you slot him in there, you feel fine with it. You may yeah. not be overly excited, but you're fine with it. As we move down here, I mean, there aren't that many bankable 30 homer, 100 RBI types. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. So I have Mondesi at seven. And I think you had Rendon at seven. So I, I think you had Montesi at eight. Yeah. Um, we flip-flopped them as well. Kind of a string of players who had rough showings last year. Yeah. And Bregman, Rendon, and Mondesi. Let's talk about Mondesi, though. It takes the cake for rough showings <laughs> uh, with only yeah. 35 games in 2021 because of oblique and hamstring injuries that just kept lingering. This time last year, there, there was talk of the Royals signing Mondesi to a long-term contract extension. And then by August, you had Royals president of baseball operations, Dayton Moore, talking about how Mondesi couldn't be relied on as an everyday player anymore. And whatever you think about Dayton Moore and the way the Royals operate, he's a pretty honest, upfront guy relative to other front office executives, especially with what's going on in the world right now. So, um, I mean, who knows? We do know that Montesi can lap the field in stolen bases when he's healthy and active on an everyday basis, but there are a lot of downsides even beyond the health concerns. A career 249 batting average, 283 
on base percentage and more than 1300 plate appearances at the MLB level. So it's like the speed's intriguing, but chase it at your own risk. Yeah, totally. And was hurt a lot last year, just played 35 games, hamstring, foot, and oblique injuries. And uh, there's been a history of injuries with him. That's why Dayton Moore was saying that they don't really think he can be an everyday guy. Maybe they can manage his workload and kind of move some guys around. And Modesty is kind of looked at as more of like a super utility type. Um, and maybe that could work. And even if he plays 100 games, let's say, he could lead the league in stolen bases and he could help you win your fantasy league. And there's a little bit of pop there too, but uh, the flaws are obvious. The approach is bad. Strikeout rate for his career is 29.9%. He hasn't had any improvement really at all. And the injury history is there as well. So yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of the ultimate risk reward type of player yeah. uh, in a fantasy league. And because stolen bases are so valuable, he's going to be selected within the top 100 players. Um, but Probably the riskiest player within the top 100. At least it's not a third round, second round cost. Like, yeah, you know, it's been at times in the past. Where's he going in Yahoo right now? 71 on Yahoo, NFC 55. Yeah. I like him a lot better at 71. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I actually like Anthony Rendon quite a bit too. Um, And while I was, kind of putting my notes together for Rendon. I, I actually wanted to maybe move him up ahead of Modesty. Played in just 58 games last year. Ended up needing um, surgery to a, repair a right hip impingement. Also dealt with a hamstring strain and a knee bruise. So I'm really tempted to throw out a lot of what we saw last year. Hit a very uncharacteristic 240, six homers. Just not his normal self. But that decline in production is explainable you know and yeah the question is what sort of player he'll be coming back from that i guess the positive with a player like rendon sort of like bregman is that the approach is great so i think it's reasonable to expect him to bounce back from a batting average and on base perspective i think 2019 is the peak for rendon as long as we can agree on that like that was like an mvp caliber type of season but I think he can still be helpful in counting stats and batting average. And to get him as late as many fantasy managers are right now, which is basically outside of the top 100 players, mm-hmm. just outside, I, that's well worth taking a chance on, I think. Yeah, ADP outside the top 100 right now on NFC. He's going 78th overall on Yahoo, so probably mm-hmm. sitting a little higher in those Yahoo preloaded default rankings that a lot of casual managers will just use. Um, yeah. yeah, 2021 was a mess health-wise for Rendon. He missed time in April with a left groin strain, then went down in May with a knee contusion, hamstring injury in July, finally ruled out for the remainder of the season in early August with that hip impingement that required surgery. Only 58 games played. You said batted 240. He also had 712 OPS, this only six home runs. Now entering his age 32 season, the third year of a seven-year $245 million contract with the Angels. Um, So I get why Rendon is not appealing to some drafters and why why people question his motivation at times. Uh, But the fact is he was among the very best players in baseball from 2017 to 2020. And pretty much all of his failings last year can be blamed on injuries. 
Um, if he's healthy in 2022, along with Mike Trout staying healthy and Shohei Otani doing his thing again, and Jared Walsh and Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh making leaps, you would have to think that Rendon's numbers will rebound in a massive, massive way. So I think he's a pretty good value. You, you understand that there's some risk and he's not as attractive as he was a year ago, but sometimes you can get steals because, you know, player had a bad year due to injuries. And that's what, that's what Rendon did. Totally agreed. So I have another injury riddled player from last season at number nine, key Brian Hayes. Yeah. And there was all sorts of excitement about Hayes going into draft season last year, coming off that small sample success that he had in 2020. Uh, sort of someone who, in the minors, we knew he was a great defensive third baseman. We thought he'd probably hit for average. We didn't really see a ton of power yet, but he just came out of the gate so strong in 2020 that there was he was shooting up draft boards, a lot of excitement and momentum, but he hurt his left hand slash wrist. Um, I think it was the opening weekend series. Yep, at Wrigley um, Field. Yeah, um, and ended up missing a lot of time with that. And there was so much like mystery about it for, for quite a while. And he did end up playing in 96 games, ultimately. But the numbers were pretty middling. Uh, hit 257, hit six homers, 38 RBIs, nine stolen bases, though, uh, over 96 games. But, I mean, the the... News during the offseason is pretty pretty encouraging. Um, late in the year, he ended up missing some time. He actually got a cyst on his hand, his left hand, between his index and middle fingers. And there was some question for a little while if he was going to need surgery. He didn't end up needing it. And I was looking around for any kind of recent updates on, on Hayes. And uh, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, said in a chat back on February 8th that uh, Hayes is completely fine and from everything I hear should be a total non-issues for 2022. Um, he did say, you know, it's hard to say with total accuracy until you see him taking full effort swings in spring training games, but the word has been pretty encouraging uh, this offseason. I don't think that Hayes is like a 25-30 homer guy. But I think he can hit for average. I think he can give you 20 homers. The speed is is good. Um, sprint speed is is nice. I think he can get you 10 to 15 stolen bases if he could do that. And again, we're talking like net because we don't know how many games are going to be played. Mm-hmm. But he has useful speed. And getting out from third base with the other counting stats and the batting average, I think he can be pretty useful, again, assuming that the hand and wrist issues are finally behind him. I have Hayes 14th. I want to believe I want the pirates to at some point begin steering in a more positive direction, but I got to see something a little more first. You know, he had that amazing first 24 major league games in 2020, and you can definitely blame the poor larger sample size showing in 2021 on that hand slash wrist injury that he suffered on the opening weekend of the season. But it's not like he finished well, you know, yeah. so he returned to action on June 3rd. Had a nice first couple of weeks back from the IL, but from June 28th to his final game, Hayes hit 245 with a 293 on base percentage, 635 OPS in 300 plate appearances. Only three home runs in that 300 plate appearance span. Uh, 70th percentile in sprint speed. He, He seems to be a really smart runner, so maybe you do lock in 15 to 20 steals. I don't see where the power comes from, though. 
Hayes hit 27 home runs in 468 career minor league games. And batting leadoff or second for this current Pittsburgh team doesn't do a ton for me. Um, maybe I'll be wrong. I think he's a really talented player. He's a, he's a good defender and a high IQ kind of player. I think eventually he's going to be just a stud. Maybe not fantasy wise, but a real life fan or a real life player, like really, really, just super solid, like Keystone uh, player for the Pirates as as they hopefully can turn this ongoing rebuilding operation into some kind of success, but just not seen enough yet to have him real high uh, in my rankings for 2022. So you had Brian at nine. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed in our staff rankings that there's a wide range on Brian, which Mm -hmm. it's understandable given that he wrote his free agency through the lockout, uh, the ongoing lockout. And so it's hard to come up with a reasonable projection on him when you don't know what his home environment is going to be and what the lineup around him will look like. He's been a confusing player on his own too, like big swings in production from Bryant. Some of that injury-based last year, though, 144 games, 835 OPS, 25 homers, 10 steals, very solid numbers between the Cubs and Giants. 30 years old, he has a career 376 on base percentage, a career 880 OPS, a couple of 30 homer seasons under his belt. I think Brian could be a, a 30 homer guy again in the right situation with a good amount of RBIs and runs scored. He's eligible in the outfield too and at first base right. on Yahoo. Yeah. Um, so the flexibility is nice. And yeah, if he stays healthy, he's going to be relatively, you know, steady. Yeah, he reached double-digit stolen bases last year for the first time since his rookie season in 2015. That's a nice little bonus. I wouldn't necessarily bank on on that again. His numbers between the Cubs and the Giants were kind of similar. He he was had a really up-and-down season. He was really good to start the year with the Cubs. He was really good after the initial trade coming over to the Giants, but Otherwise, like pretty pretty up and down. But it was nice to see because if you remember, he was another one of those players that had a really disappointing 2020 season. Yeah, It just four homers, 644 OPS over 34 games. Missed time with a sprained finger. So he, he answered a lot of critics. I put him a little bit lower because he is one of those players that I think the ranking is going to depend on on where he signs. Um, and right now, it's, it's a huge question mark. I... We've heard a little bit. I don't know how much of this is true that the Rockies were interested in Chris Bryant. Mm. If that happened, that would be really fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I would also be confused with the Rockies, uh, which is just well, maybe he's the kind of the kind of de- the kind of guy that takes a one year deal just to to get somewhere quickly. And if you're going to take a one year deal, and you're like Chris Bryant, who kind of needs to resuscitate his career a little bit, yeah. You know, that would be a, a great landing spot. He's a guy that, I, I mean, I know he can play everywhere on the field, but he, he could carve out a better long-term future because of the universal DH too. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, totally. such a, he's such a solid hitter when he's healthy. He can play until he's you know in his late 30s. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. So, you know, we'll see where he ends up signing. Um, but certainly a, a player who has revived his status even a few you don't quite consider him an early round player anymore. Um, so I had DJ LeMayhew at 10. We've went over him in, in yeah. the second base episode and first base as well, I mm-hmm. believe. But yeah, also eligible at third base. That's really nice. It's it's really good to have a, a, a player who's multi-position eligible, 
of course had a really disappointing year uh, last year with the Yankees, at least relative to his first two seasons uh, with the team. I think we're going to see a bounce back, probably not power wise because actually it's hard to say without knowing the state of the baseball and how, how juiced it will be. Uh, but in Yankee stadium as the leadoff man with the kind of approach that he has, which I think gives him a safe floor. I think counting stats wise, he's going to be really useful and he's not someone I would quit on just yet. I had Yohan Mankata at number 10. He seemed to be taking off in, in 2019, a 315 average, 9 915 OPS, 25 homers, 10 steals in 132 games that year. Then a plunge more toward mediocrity. Man, there's a common refrain with a, a lot of these third base players <laughs> up there. Yes. Um, so you need Mankata to get back on the track that he was on. I don't think that's an unreasonable ask, an unreasonable expectation at age 26. He turns 27 in May. Mankata did have a 375 OBP last season yeah. and was 94th percentile among all MLB hitters and walk rate. I had to recheck those numbers, but <laughs> I mean, that shows growing maturity. His yeah. strikeout rate was at a career low. That's another p- positive check mark. Now you just need the counting stats to follow again. I mean, he's not a 300 hitter. I, I mean, I think we can put that aside, that 315 average that he showed in 2019, but the power should be better than what it's been. 91st percentile in max exit velocity in 2021. I think the RBI is a lot of studs around him in that White Sox lineup. Moncada batted second a lot last year. If he does that again, you know, the run scored should be should give you a nice total. Even you know, if he can somewhat maintain that OBP, he should stay at in the number two spot for for Tony Larusa. I'm pretty optimistic. I like he hasn't become the superstar that we thought he was kind of trending toward, but there's some kind of like post, 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 post type breakout to his profile and his situation. Yeah, it's a little surprising, you know, the quality of lineup that he was in last year. I know the White Sox had guys kind of moving in and out. They had a lot of injuries, but Mankata um, to have a 375 on base percentage, he scored 74 runs in 144 games. Very strange. That seems pretty low, right? So I think it was a pretty good chance. Um, it, it was probably LaRusa's fault. <laughs> let's blame LaRusa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it was nice to see Mancata bounce back from his 2020 season, which was really impacted by COVID. The batted ball metrics haven't fully bounced back to 2019 levels. Um, and I don't, I don't really know if they will. So that's kind of why I put him a little bit lower. Uh, I don't know if he's a 20-plus homer guy. He's probably not going to steal 10 bases. Um, and depending on where he hits in the lineup, I don't know if the RBIs will be there. So it's it's tough. I think he's a player who's better in real life than in fantasy right now. But we see the 2019 numbers, and you can justify maybe chasing that if you are if you waited on third base. You know, he is kind of one of the more appealing third baseman as you get toward the middle rounds of drafts. Yes. None of these guys are, are sure things. I, I had Luis Urias at 11. I, I talked him up on our second base episode, had him ranked 15th at that position, which was much higher than the consensus. So 11th at third base is probably going to also be much higher than consensus. It also tells you how shallow this position is, or at least appears to be going into the season. Things can change. Guys can emerge or you know bounce back, but Urias had a, a quiet post-type breakout last year with the Brewers, 789 OPS, tw- tw- 23 homers, 75 RBIs, 77 runs scored in 155 games. 
former top 20 overall prospect uh, when he was with the Padres. He's only 24 years old. I think he's starting to find his stride now with a good hitting home environment there in Milwaukee. I, he could take another step in the right direction in, in 2022. At least there's ups, some upside there. And as we move down these rankings, there's not a ton of that. Yeah, I think I've I think I've undervalued him a little bit as I've been reading up a little more on him. I becoming more of a fan. Um, brought the strikeout rate down uh, last year relative to his previous chances in the majors. Put the ball in the air more, which is good news for you know playing in Milwaukee. There's like a little smattering of speed too, uh, so I do think he's on the rise and probably deserves a, a little bit more recognition than he's than he's getting. As we get into the teens. Uh, at third base in our rankings, you know, Justin Turner, I think, is a totally solid option. Mm-hmm. Um, turned 37 in November, though. Uh, he always seems to be banged up in some capacity. Um, so that's the risk with Turner. But otherwise, I think you can count on some really nice counting stats, batting average, um, Dodgers lineup, a lot going for him other than the age and the, the injury risk. But these three players I wanted to briefly highlight here because they they kind of fall in a similar range with me so matt chapman josh donaldson eugenio suarez mm. like i don't know if you can separate any of them because to me they're they're kind of all similar areas of risk Ch- chapman coming off hip surgery last year it's just 210 um you know great power but sort of the the progress that he made with his approach is has evaporated yeah I don't know how much I want to give him a mulligan for last year coming off that hip surgery. Probably a little bit. So you could see him maybe taking a shot on him. He is quite a bit younger than Josh Donaldson, who turned 36 in December. Hit 247 last year. You know, kind of the power on base uh, RBIs you would expect. But um, given his injury history, that's that's a quite a big ask. And a. Eugenio Suarez some of the best raw power in the game, I think, mm-hmm. but it just one ninety eight last year. It's like, what do you do with him? You know, the industry is so down on, on Suarez that you can get him around pick number 200. Yeah. I, I get why he's disliked, but there's eligibility now at shortstop. So right. Suarez is going to be able to be plugged in at either of those MICI spots, middle infield, corner infield. That's pretty valuable. Yeah. And, there's the fact that he's averaged 41 home runs for every 162 games played since the beginning of 2018. Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati helps keep those home run expectations alive, at least to some degree. If you can afford to take on a bad batting average, the dingers might be worth it. There is some Gary Sanchez to the whole Suarez experience, uh, but Sanchez might be nearing the end of the Bronx. And Suarez, on the other hand, he's locked up with the Reds through 2024, potentially 2025 on on a club option. I guess he could be trade bait. There's a chance that since he does shed some pieces this summer, but with bad defense and a bad average and a bad OBP and kind of a bad contract that runs into age 33, Suarez might not be valued very much in, in real life modern baseball like on the market. So the Reds could be stuck with him, which is actually a good thing for fantasy purposes. I like him as just a raw power option that you can plug into a a middle infield or corner infield spot. Donaldson. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) he's not going early at all. 212 on Yahoo. Um, There is a lot of 
risk here with the health. He's had those calf and hamstring issues pop up again and again, but he rakes when he's healthy. The batted ball metrics really love him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've kind of talked myself into, into Donaldson as a pretty nice bench stash or like a rotating utility option when yeah. he's active. And maybe the Twins lineup will turn out to be good. It's definitely an interesting lineup. There's a lot of talent there. They just kind of have to stay healthy and get, get good seasons from all those guys. And Matt Chapman, yeah, a lot of these guys are similar, but he was one of the best all-around players in the sport just a couple of years ago. And he's only 28 years old, turns 29 in late April. Um, that that hip labrum injury really seemed to sidetrack his development, but still a maestro on defense. The Yankees apparently had some trade interest with, with the possibility of putting him at shortstop. Yeah. The strikeout rate last year was terrible, uh, fourth worst among qualified hitters, but he should connect for a good number of homers, and maybe the batting line will bounce back as he move, moves further away from the hip surgery. A, a trade could boost his stock considerably. Yeah, they have a number of guys. Uh, the A's have a number of players they might end up trading, and Chapman would probably be the most attractive, I think. Olsen, um, I guess, yeah, Chapman has Olsen, the, the yeah, cost Olsen control. And Chapman, yeah, yeah. Chapman with his defense at third is is still pretty nice, and I, I think he's going to I think he's gonna have a pretty good year. It's just a matter of how much of a bounce back we're going to see. I had so, Ryan McMahon wedged in here too. Like we talked same. about him at second yeah. base, nice floor of power, taking half at, at bats at, at Coors Field should get you to twenty five homers, decent number of RBIs, hitting in the middle of the Rockies lineup. I don't know, like if he played for a diff, we we said this on the second base episode. If he played for a different team in a different home park, I don't think he would be in my top twenty at third. But you bake those Colorado home splits into his projection and into McMahon's draft day attractiveness. So two players I had, I had 19, I had Jamer Candelario, 20, I had Evan Longoria, who was oh. like really off the board. And Dude, I've, I've, I was going to give you a trivia question. Okay. I kind of spoiled it. I should have brought it up earlier, but I'm going to do it anyway. All right. Because okay. <laughs> we need content. I think, I think I know what you're getting at, but go for it. Okay. The major league lead for doubles last year was 42, uh, shared by four players, Bryce Harper, J.D. Martinez, and Whit Merrifield are three of those four players. Can you name the fourth? I know it's Candelaria. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I knew that. <laughs> but he's a player like, you know, let's assume that the Tigers have a better supporting cast. They have some exciting young players, one of which is actually third base eligible, Spencer Torkelson, who I don't have in my top 25 because I'm just not sure when he's going to be up. But I think that Candelario is very solid not flashy um but average is going to be there not a ton of power but some he's going to drive in some runs he's going to score runs he's in the middle of the tigers lineup i think he's perfectly respectable as like a corner infielder type and probably doesn't get as much attention as he deserves i mean yeah bryce harper's going eighth overall right now on yahoo Whit merrifield 36th jd martinez 57th candelario 347th and I know doubles don't do a ton for you in fantasy, and, and Candelario has yet to reach 20 homers in a season, but does he suddenly get more interesting, like you kind of hinted at, if, if there's this wave of growing expectations and success so. for the Tigers? Would that shock you if he kind of emerges as a leader of that next wave? I think he would. I think he it can only help. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, I, I did have Torkelson at twenty three. Okay, we should talk about him just for a second. I, yeah, I mean he's he's coming, and 
I think what is maybe of interest with him is that he is currently a participant at the Tigers spring complex in Florida, along with Riley green. Cause neither of them are on the 40 man roster. So they're not right. subject to the lockout and the ongoing closure of the MLB side of camps. So Torkelson and green working directly with the Tigers staff in front of the decision makers who will determine their MLB readiness, the chances to make the opening day roster, Torkelson was the first overall pick in, in 2020. Didn't see any pro action that year due to, the, due to the pandemic, but just exploded for a 935 OPS with 30 homers in 121 games last summer. Moved between high A, double A, all the way up to triple A. He's on the fast track. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty with with young players and, and when he's actually going to join the Tigers. But I, I think it'll be in the early part of the season whenever that happens and possibly opening day because – he's actually a member of Tiger's spring training and like not many other players are. Yeah. I, and the funny thing is like, yeah, he's third base eligible. He's not going to be a third baseman yeah. uh, in the major. So yeah, take advantage of that this year. If, and when, you know, it's not, if I think he's going to be up, it's just a matter of when I was going to ask what you think about Alec Bohm. Oh yeah. Actually, I, I'm a fan. I know after last year, it's hard to see it. Um, hit 247, uh, had just seven home runs. Again, sort of like Brian Hayes in the small sample of the, of the 2020 season, you know, obviously really, really appealing. Um, he was demoted for a stretch. He really struggled defensively. Uh, so looking through that lens, it's like, why should you be excited about this guy? But I think there is hope here. Bohm was in the 89th percentile in average exit velocity. 90th percentile in hard hit percentage. A lot of that came on the ground, but yeah. he wouldn't be the first player to adjust and thrive. And if you look at his like body makeup, he's like a little lanky. I think he's going to fill out. And I also think the universal DH should really help him. You know, with a player that struggled as much defensively, that's got to get in your head a little bit. Um, so if he could focus on on hitting, which he doesn't really have a position in my mind, um, but if he could just focus on hitting, I think we're going to see a really nice bounce back and a nice career here with Bohm. So, you know, if you're in a dynasty league, I think he's probably one of the better buy low options yeah, out there. Yeah. He's number 23 for me, but I, I think he's I think he's someone to to really take a close look at. Item 21, and I agree with every point you just made, like. Yeah, went from a deserving top two finish for NL Rookie of the Year in 2020 to a 647 OPS, 75 OPS plus, and a demotion back to the minors last year. Um, and even factoring in his rookie production, only 11 homers and 159 big league big league games to date. But you look at the body and you look at the batted ball data. He could become a launch angle guy, and and I think he's going to have a really nice career too. I, I don't know if it happens in 2022, um, but long-term, I, I agree. I, I really like him. Kevin Biggio is hmm. – I mean, I'm 24th. I'm sure there are plenty of cases that I'm not thinking of, but has there been another player who showed the kind of promise that Biggio did in the first two years of his career and was so brightly talked about that, that fell off the map in this way at age 26, like it's baseball. So the answer is probably yes, but 
I don't know. Biggio feels like a unique case. Maybe it's because of his name and his pedigree, but he was going 59th overall this time last year hmm. in NFC drafts. 59th overall. Right now at NFC, 293 on Yahoo, 350. So off the board in most standard 12-team leagues, um, even 14-team leagues. 16 homers, 14 steals, and 100, 100 games as a rookie in 2019. He had a nearly 370 on base percentage across his first 700 plate appearances in the majors. But there were kind of holes you could poke in a, into his yeah. profile. Yeah, and I remember like, last year when we did our, our yeah. second base episode, we were we had him high, and then the more we talked about him, we were kind of yeah. realizing that maybe we didn't like it as much as we thought. And all those issues like came to the, to the forefront. Yeah. There was injuries, too. There was a, a lingering neck thing, which I – I think it was diagnosed as a cervical ligament sprain, which I don't yeah. even know what that is, but it doesn't sound good. Um, and an elbow issue toward the end. Now it's kind of unclear where Biggio stands with the Blue Jays going into 2022. Yeah. Like maybe he gets platooned into sort of a super utility role and does not have a, a high lineup spot. That's going to be a tough lineup to to climb up to where he was, you know, in yeah. 2020, 2019. Yeah, I, I agree. And that was one of the concerns going into last year was – if he could keep the leadoff spot or, or a high spot in the order, because if he couldn't, it would be a challenge for him to um, justify those the early round pr- production, early round draft spots. So that's pretty much how, how it played out. I have a stat for you. 94.1 average exit velocity last season for Evan Longoria. Only Vlad Jr., Giancarlo Stanton, and Aaron Judge were higher among hitters with at least 150 batted ball events. That's pretty crazy. It is, man. He he rediscovered some magic, yeah. like a lot like of, a lot of giants. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I mean, he's basically free. Yeah. So whatever, but I, I'm not really buying that that he has 36 years old. 36. He played in 81 games last year. Had a right shoulder sprain. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of risk. I agree, but also, like you said, he's basically free. ADP on NFC 390.60. That seems like way too late. Like I'd take him as a corner infielder late in a draft. Like why not? You know what I mean? To see if he can keep this up, but certainly interesting to see. And really this has been the case over the past two years that he's seen this jump in his batted ball data. I think it's just interesting. And I think something we shouldn't discount with just how much information is out there these days you shouldn't just assume that an older player is going to decline like they used to. Yeah. Because player older players can adapt and, and change too. So, yeah, I think if anything, it's just saying like don't forget veteran players. Like they could still be useful. Yeah. Gio Urshela had at 22. He dealt with injuries and in COVID last year, but was very solid in, in 2019 and 2020. 310 average, 881 OPS, and 175 games between those two seasons. Uh, some good pop or decent enough pop going late in drafts for a guy who probably something close to an everyday presence in the Yankees lineup with improved health. We had a good talk about Urshela and defensive metrics and advanced stats and other Yankee stuff a few weeks back with Lindsay Adler of The Athletic, if you didn't catch that episode. Who else do I have? Abraham Toro I had at 25th. You know, a couple big moments right away after the Mariners acquired him from the Astros last summer, then pretty much faded, but some in, intriguing upper minor league numbers from Toro. Eduardo Escobar, uh, we discussed at second base, 
a pretty good under the radar signing with the Mets. Flawed player with poor on base skills, but he's gotten it done the last few years with homers and RBIs. Um, yeah, I had Brian Anderson, twenty four. Hmm. Uh, I'm throwing out what we saw last year. Had an oblique injury early in the year, then a shoulder injury, which eventually required surgery. But from 2019, 2020, like he's a pretty good player. Um, and I think the Marlins lineup isn't great. It's getting a little bit better though. So counting stats, I don't have Jeter anymore, dude. No Jeter to help. (laughs) Yeah, no Jeter, which I think is really telling uh, for a few reasons. Oh yeah, I think he could be a useful corner infielder as well. I put Jonathan VR twenty five. Pop and speed probably will be like a utility player somewhere, kind of like he was with the Mets last year. Not sure where he's going to be yet, but you know that stuff adds up. So I still think he's going to have some value. Patrick Wisdom, I I didn't have him in in my top twenty. Five, but just going through some of the the remaining players here of note, Wisdom was a late bloomer who showed really good power last year with the Cubs. Kind of like um, Frank Schwindel, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Do, do you really believe it? Uh, I don't know. Not really. I Joey think Schwindel, <laughs> I believe in more. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Joey Wendell was a nice pickup for the Marlins, but he's a better real life player than fantasy player. Yeah. Um, Mike Moustakis, just a dreadful injury plague 2021. Does does he have another good year left in the tank? It wouldn't does he shock play? Me. Does he is he gonna play really? Because he, he's kind of blocked. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm not sure, but obviously, you know, the power is intriguing there. Yeah. Uh, but the strikeout rate has been up the past two years. I'm not gonna give you any average. And at this point, I'm not sure he's gonna be I guess maybe DH could help things a little bit for him, but yeah, he didn't make my top 25. J.D. Davis uh, with the Mets has been mentioned as a trade candidate throughout the offseason. He had a decent year last year, but he had a um, nagging hand injury, thumb injury uh, throughout the year, which kind of sapped his power a little bit. And I do think there are questions about uh, his power upside. Uh, he does hit the ball on the, on the ground quite a bit, but he's an interesting name to watch, I think, depending on how uh, the offseason plays out and if he does end up getting traded. Hunter Dozier had sort of a breakout back in 2019, but he's been below league average since, so kind of out on him. Hassan Kim definitely failed to meet expectations as a rookie. There could be some post-type appeal there, but do the Padres play him enough to for it to matter? Um, Yandy Diaz, he gets on base at a, a nice clip. Probably not enough power to be like standard league fantasy relevant. And that's, that's about all I, I had at third base. Luis Arias, right? Doesn't he qualify yeah. at third? Yeah, he does. Um, but he just doesn't offer much like fantasy juice. I think he'll, we covered him at average. every position, even yeah. starting pitcher. <laughs> yeah, uh, he'll hit for average, but there's just not a lot of fantasy appeal there. Again, kind of a player who's more useful in real life than than fantasy. But yeah, we we went through it all. We went through all that depressing, <laughs> depressing. Hey man, position yeah, it was nice day. to actually talk about real baseball after what's happened this week. So totally, totally Thanks for hanging and, out. Yeah. And next week will be fun because we're going to go through uh, starting pitchers and there, there is a lot to get to. So it'd be cool to break that down. So yeah, we'll be back next week. Colin and Chris will do outfielders on Monday and Drew and I next Wednesday will do starting pitchers. And then Colin and Chris will finish things out with relievers. And then who knows what we're going to talk about after that. I, I don't we haven't planned that far ahead yet, but we will figure it out. Uh, and we will get through this together, whatever, however long it takes. We've done it before. We can do it again. Wow. 
the state uh, of the union. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's it for now. Um, if you like what you're hearing with the show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. Same goes for Spotify if you listen to us on there. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Sills. Be safe out there, everyone. Hopefully we get some baseball soon. Take care. See you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.